0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Intersection, coming to you from Georgia Tech's Scheller College of Business. I'm your host, Scheller MBA alumni, Alex Walsh. Our guest today is Georgia Tech alumni, Arush Lal. Hey, Arush, how's it going?
1: Going great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: I want to start us off by reading your email signature, which I know is sort of an unconventional play. But um, when you confirmed that you were available for this, and I saw this, I, feel, I kind of feel like we have to start here. So I believe you have a master's in philosophy, or you're, you're a student for a master's in philosophy, PhD, in health policy at the London School of Economics and Political Science. That's correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. And you're also an international consultant of the Strategic Fund for the, I believe it's Pan American Health Organization and World Health Organization? Exactly. Yeah. And you're also <laughs> the vice chair of the board of directors for women in global health. yes you can tell i have a a problem we got to learn about all this stuff so um so tell us everything i guess first about your studies or whatever you want to talk about first but what are you up to these days
1: sure yeah no and and you can you can tell i have a problem saying no sometimes to things i I usually do like to try and throw myself into as much as i can um so i kind of yeah my, my journey at tech was um a little bit maybe unconventional. When I first was going through high school, I was really interested in going to med school. Um, so I knew I was interested in public, and actually more clinical work or medicine. I didn't really know what that looked like. And the more I went through Georgia Tech, the more I kind of fell in love with the world of public health, and then increasingly public health policy. Uh, and a lot of the work that I did tended to be working in, uh, in different countries um, and, and learning about the context in, in different health systems. And I think that was really exciting to me because I realized, you know, there's so many I, I think the biggest thing that this kind of stems from, and this is something that I think I always define myself as, is I I, I find there's a lot of injustice in the fact that we're in the twenty first century and there's so much of preventable disease, even though we have the treatments and the cures and, and the you know, the the solutions for many of these things, we just don't have the equity or the access to to, to you know to, to make sure that people aren't dying of of these things and so i think that's kind of where i really fell into the world of global health yeah and so over my time at tech i kind of transitioned and, and and i can kind of go on that
0: yeah no that's that's a great way to start and i'm so glad to be able to speak with you about it today because i think one of the best antidotes for injustice is awareness and talking about these things and so i'm glad you can bring your expertise to our audience and share about your experiences but so let's talk about you know a day in the life about you before we get to the big stuff Sure. So, you're studying um, at LSE and you're a consultant and you're, and you're a vice chair with this, with this global organization. So, like, where is your time going and, and what's a typical day for you? And, like, what, what are you up to? It's been especially
1: difficult now because of COVID 19. I think most people working in public health, as actually with, with any field, I mean, everyone in all, in all sectors have had to kind of work a little bit overtime to adapt. But I think this is the time, especially for public health folks working in public health where all eyes are on us and uh it's interesting some of my work has actually been really closely focused on pandemic preparedness and for the longest time no one really cared and suddenly people care and so i want to do my part as much as possible you know working in, in these different areas to make sure i'm doing due diligence because i do um i am in the lucky position where i actually can provide help and guidance i've been working on this area for a while and i um, and, and I think people are kind of looking for answers and, and I want to do my part to help with that. So I think an average day for me is kind of straddling. It doesn't really look the same any day, depending on, um, you know, if if, if if my work at WHO has has a certain deadline coming up. We've been doing a lot of work on figuring test kits. So if some of that work is, is ramped up for the time being, that my actually goes there. Luckily, I'm in my very first year of, of my PhD. So, it's, it's kind of the year to really dive into the research, and what better way to dive into the research that I'm doing than to be working on the same issue. And so I guess in that way, it's kind of a, you know, my, my all three of these things are very closely tied. So it seems like a lot, and in many ways, it can feel like that, but at the same time, they're all very closely related together and they fit together like this
0: beautiful puzzle piece. <laughs> That's awesome. And the one thing you didn't mention that I will just press for a little bit more detail before we go back in time to how this idea got into your head that you would be so generous with all this time of yours. But let's just talk about the Women in Global Health Organization. What is that group and how did you become a part of that as well?
1: Yeah, they're, they're an incredible organization. So Women in Global Health uh, is, is a kind of a start off really as almost it really began as a tweet um, when uh, there was a, a high level panel, uh, which was Focusing on sexual reproductive health, and it was all men that were on the panel, and these women kind of said, uh, uh, "Someone tweeted out, like, you know, why why are there men speaking like an entire women, a global panel for reproductive health, and not a single woman uh, person on, on this panel to represent, you know, the people that you're actually talking about?" Um, and so that's kind of how the movement began, and it really sprawled from there to go into this this big kind of campaign to ensure equity. Uh, gender equity in the global health space. So a really interesting statistic that I always kind of uh, mention about this is the health workforce globally is about 70% women. So it's a very female dominant sector. Um, and that's, that the, the percentages are even higher when you look at nursing, which can be as much as 90%, social care workers, which are also around 90%, and yet only about 25% of leaders are women. So you see this like weird disparity where women make up the majority of the workforce and yet only 25% of leadership and in global health, where most of our work is done in low and middle income countries, we only have about 5% of leaders leadership in these global NGOs that are actually from the countries that we work in. And so that's kind of where this conversation around equity comes in uh, um, about gender and particularly particularly like intersectional gender. So when you look at people, women from low income settings or racial minorities or trans women and their ability to be speaking on issues that affect them every day. So that's kind of what this organization seeks to do. And we've been, you know, we, we've done this, we've since our start about about four or five years ago, we've since have about uh, 25,000 supporters. We have about uh, 20 chapters, international chapters, and another 15 in the pipeline, Um, and, and it's really exciting because the main goal of this is to try to get uh, these kind of communities in, in different countries of women coming together, as well as male allies, um, to discuss how we can ensure hardwire, basically hardwire equity into health systems. And, and that's kind of, and, and I got involved with that because I was doing a lot of work on health workforce and uh, gender obviously is a big part of that being the majority female sector. So kind of just fell into it, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to get back to sort of the global health situation and Sphere, which I think you have some really excellent perspective on and I'm really excited about that. And we, you, for your first answer was about tech and how you had a, an interesting sort of journey into the public yeah. health sector. I wonder if there were uh, times in your life, moments, um, inspiring people. How did you find yourself down this sort of public health path? Were there events that happened to you, or your childhood was interesting in some way? Like, how do you think you ended up here? So I think there was there was a, a couple
1: things. I I always I kind of will go back to what I said before that I have always been a very justice oriented person. I think there's two kinds of people sometimes that go into the healthcare space. One is a very compassionate, empathetic person that just wants to you know make people feel better um and in all honestly i can't say that that's what drives me. i can't say i'm a particularly compassionate person i actually view it as like i i view it from a sense of this is wrong and and we should be doing this and i think that's what kind of fuels a lot of my ambition and keeps me going uh, and so even when i was at tech um i i knew i wanted to do something with an impact uh for that reason and, and i knew it wanted to be something in the healthcare space this was just kind of an opportunity that um, I kind of just got a call one day saying from this organization called Volunteers on the World, um, and and they said we're looking to start with, like uh, so we do mobile clinics in in different low middle income countries with physicians local staff and local physicians, and we are looking to start a chapter in Georgia. Could you help? And I said yeah, and that was my freshman year, and since then I I founded the chapter at Tech, which is still going, and I purposefully actually uh, recognizing that tech wasn't the only school that could benefit from this and that we would actually benefit from a team that's more diverse, I opened it up to all Georgia schools. And so we since have a, UG, a University of Georgia chapter, Emory chapter, Georgia State chapter, that all has spawned from Georgia Tech's original team, um, And I think that's what really kicked my, my global health journey.
0: That, that's awesome. Um, as a former Virginia Highlands resident, I actually took yeah. the shuttle, the free shuttle, thank goodness, um, from Emory to Georgia Tech Yes, um, yeah. and so I physically and personally appreciate the connection between the institutions and I know that uh, you know Emory is this huge institution as far as healthcare is concerned CDC obviously so I think you're absolutely right that building those partnerships and sort of creating those opportunities is absolutely the path forward and and speaking of how it is now you know uh, hard to avoid at this point um, but you're maybe more involved with it, as you said than than some of us in terms of test kit prep. Um, what are the perspectives, if any, that you would share with folks um, about you know where we are in this moment and where we might be you know three, six, yeah. whatever time horizon you want to speak to what what's going on yeah. from your perspective? so i think I think what's going on from this perspective it's frustrating for everyone uh,
1: and and when I really look at this, I am particularly frustrated because this is an area that I actually had worked on throughout. So I, I, I worked uh, previously um, in in 2016 while I was actually interning um, during my time at Tech in the Federal Yellow Jackets, pro- the Federal Jackets program. Um, I interned at the Office of Pandemics and Emerging Threats um, in Washington D.C. And my specific portfolio was pandemic preparedness. And we knew about this stuff. This isn't. It really isn't rocket science. It's not. I mean, it's. It, coronavirus was a novel virus, but the steps to mitigate that and control it are not new. We've been dealing with outbreaks for centuries, since the start of mankind. And so I think that's one important lesson for all of us is this isn't hard. Um, What it does require is willpower um, and kind of a continuous push uh, to kind of keep making sure that we're following the science, following evidence, uh, and kind of do our part in communities where we can. Uh, I think what really hurts me about this also is that I don't. I'm not surprised that we're all fatigued. Um, no one can last. I mean, I think we're now in like month nine, uh, almost month ten of of this pandemic uh, reaching the U. S. Let alone um, other countries, and 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 it, fatigue is going to set in. And I just want to you know implore others by saying, you know, there we we, we have the steps to do this, but it does take all of us to do our parts. Um, and and we need to stick it out a little bit more. Uh. But, but I think, I, I think that's, that, that's, it. I don't know, I, you can tell, like I, I think it's, it's hard for even someone in public health because what, I, what I'll kind of end with on this by, by saying, I view this as not just a biological crisis, a crisis in health, I really do think this is a crisis of politics and leadership. And I think that is a very important lesson for all of us, and even especially in the global community, is for the longest time, we have tried to separate health from politics. And for good reason, you don't want to politicize health. But at the same time, when you do that, you kind of shut yourself out from the reality that everything can be political and has political implications when it's run by agencies, by, by the government, because everyone has their own ideas and agendas. And, and and that's fair, I mean, that's 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 life. And so our job as good public health practitioners is to uh be cognizant and realistic that when we're setting out guidance are we considering how this is going to impact communities are we considering how policymakers are going to have to be pulled into multiple different directions to save the economy and save people's health and how can we as public health practitioners help bridge that gap um and i think that's a really big lesson for all of us is to not be blind to the reality of the world that we live in and just view science as pure science it is more complicated than that I can't imagine how
0: frustrating it must have been to literally work in pandemic preparedness yeah. immediately before the onset of a pandemic. I guess what I think about, you know, I, we're roughly the same age. As I was coming out of undergrad, it was 2008, and the sort of big world event for me was the sort of financial crisis, right, and sort of the the real estate, residential real estate bubble in America. And I, I think, I hope. That my generation, which I suppose I would include you in as well, learned a lesson in that moment, right? About like how to approach real estate and how to approach, you know, the economy in general. I'm hopeful that this moment, you know, flu vaccination rates probably increased. Um, you know, hand washing. I, I learned the interlocking my fingers move. True, ways. even so me. That's yeah. <laughs> a huge gain for me. I'm hopeful that there are lessons that we all take from this because, I mean, you tell me you're the expert. I guess we, we shouldn't expect another one in 100 year event, but we should expect more challenges in public health in years to come. And there should be lessons from this. You would agree?
1: I would agree, but I, I mean, it's weird. I usually would identify my, myself as an optimist in all sense of the word. However, when it comes to this, there is this this term called the panic neglect cycle. And it's it's true in on all kinds of, you can apply it to, economic situations you can apply, especially to, to public health and, and pandemics. It's that prevention is just not a sexy thing to invest in policymakers. It's really hard to pull money from things that af- affect people every day and put it into this pot for a rainy day. But that's what we need to do. And I mean, I will say that, you know, people said the same thing actually following um, Ebola, the Ebola crisis in 2014. And, then, and they said, we need to learn from this. And there was a lot of great work that happened in the, in the global health community, you know, shore up uh, transparency and, and, and relationships between different countries to make sure that, you know, we can ensure strong global health security. Two years later, Zika hit. And the, I was working on, while I was working on pandemic preparedness, I was in the office during the height of the Zika outbreak when the first case of Zika came to the U.S. shores. It still took Congress 263 days to pass emergency funding for Zika, 263 days, and this is a year or two after we'd already learned our lessons, quote unquote, from Ebola. And I learned then very upfront about, you know, the reality that politics is a very different story than 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 lessons that we, we know. And here we are, another two, you know, three years, three, four years later, I guess. Yeah, from from there. Having had a lot of time to reflect on these, lots of lesson learned, I cannot tell you how many lesson learned papers I've, I've seen and even written myself. Um, and, and here we are today. So I hope so. I agree with you. I think from, a, I will say what's different is the, I think the, the lay person community, you know, everyone, like the regular populations are a lot more educated about sanitation, trying to be aware of each other. Um, but my only fear is that the longer this drags on, the more we will try to, back, the more we'll kind of get more brazen against wearing masks and, and, and washing your hands and kind of not social distancing. And also with releasing a vaccine prematurely, if that backfires, if we release a ba- vaccine too early that it hasn't been through the proper checks and it backfires, I'm very worried at a time when there's already rising mis- disinformation that this could really undermine progress on a vaccine coverage, um, we've already seen. There's an interesting statistic that came out a, a couple of weeks ago. But the last um, the last 25 weeks of this pandemic have have erased 25 years of progress on vaccine coverage globally. And so we've already really retrenched in, in multiple different indicators on public health and well-being. And I'm worried that if a vaccine backfires, um, we could even set ourselves further back. So these are all kind of lessons that are wrapped up. I do hope we've learned. I think. That People have grown from this. Let's see if the policymakers also reflect
0: that. Well, if you're worried, then I'll worry too. But I think that vigilance is a healthy thing, right? And I think That's it's very probably good. it's okay to be aware and thoughtful about and you know, continue to you know have our eyes up and think about how the world is. What I want to ask you is, you know, of course, every time these things happen, some folks are just gonna put their heads in the sand, perhaps literally in some cases. It feels like sometimes. But for those folks maybe who are in tech right now, maybe our listeners or some students in tech right now who think actually I wanna help with this too. I'm compelled by what you're saying as far as public health. Um, what advice would you have for them and how can how can young folks or even old folks like me have an impact on you know the public health world given what's happening and given what we know and given what, what, what we're up against as well?
1: Sure, um, so this actually ties really well into a new initiative at Georgia Tech which is the, the Sustainable Development Goals. And the sustainable development goals are 17 goals that were agreed to by all member states in the UN. There's um, these kind of 17 goals from everything from climate change to uh to food to gender equality to health and well-being. Um, so all these things, I think there, there's a kind of slogan that goes underneath the sustainable goals called uh think global and act local. And I think that's a really good way to think about what all of us can do is Remember, I mean, COVID-19 shows that more than anything is that we are in a global world and what we do, what, you know, what starts off in a seafood market in in, in, a, in a populated city in China can affect everybody. And we are only as strong as the country with the weakest health system. We're also only as strong as the country with the highest, with, with the highest, with the weakest environmental regulations or the country with the most lax trade policies or, 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 or human rights abuses. Um, It affects all of us. And so whether you're in public health or you're in any other field, we do have to recognize that we are part of a global community and we're only getting the world is becoming smaller and more connected. And so act locally. um, Don't shy away from engaging with your policymakers, your local decision leaders, whether it's a council member or, um, you know, or or even your representative or or senator. uh, They are they are there to serve you. You know, their, their job is to you and, and they will, if you push them hard enough, you organize a neighborhood campaign or even a statewide campaign, people do respond. Uh, and I think just don't underestimate the power that you have. Um, we've seen that even with, with COVID, I mean, the more people that wear masks, the more people that adhere to these social distancing things, we all can, can play a part, but it comes down to the individual level. So I think that's my big, imploring, my big thing is just act locally. Nothing is too small. It all adds up to the aggregate. And if you remember the context that we're living in and the world is more connected, uh, it kind of is a good grounding to remember that, you know, our, our bigger duty to humankind.
0: The last answer you gave worried me. This answer gave me hope. So I'm glad for the balance. Um, good. And good. I appreciate, too, the opportunity to speak about just sort of these big global issues, which you have such wonderful perspective on. And thank you for sharing it with me and with our listeners. Um, to, to end, I want to put you back on the spot because there is a chance that five years from now, I get to still host this podcast and maybe we get to have you back on and hopefully we won't talk about another recent pandemic. Hopefully we'll talk about all the preventive measures that were put in place yes. and, and we'll be in a, you know, a better world. But, but just yes. tell us where we go from here for you for the next five years. Um, you know, hopefully, maybe you'll have a PhD in hand and you'll have worked with these organizations some more, but, but where will you take all this positive energy and usually optimistic, but maybe not all the time, where, where do you go from here individually? Yeah, no, that's
1: that's a great question. I, I will say, I think number one, I really do hope I do graduate from my PhD, and I, and I
0: sure, I hope so too.
1: That's fingers crossed. Um, I, I, it's it's interesting working in this specific area. So my my PhD topic is actually on the politics of global health policymaking. So it is actually kind of open, and this is an interesting time because I think we're all learning so much about how to adapt our own thinking about how the world works in response to crises. So I don't even know if it's even, you know, I don't even know where I'll be because I think this landscape is changing so fast. That being said, I definitely would like to continue my work in gender equality. I think that's a really important thing. Um, I would also like to raise more awareness in my field for for folks to consider the impact that they have on intersectional equity. So, meaning, you know, when you're setting a policy that you're considering very deeply, not just the impact to the person with the most access or privilege, but the person with the least. And I think that's something that we all need to do, whether you're in health or not, and that's something that I'm especially working on in global health, which is a field that does work on these areas, but still has a lot of room to grow. I think that's that's one thing I'd like to work on. Um, I would like to, with Georgia Tech, help us think through ways that we can expand public health uh, or global health initiative on campus, maybe like a center for global health systems and technology. I see a huge, huge gap for um, for the role of digital health um, and and logistics and operations and that kind of work, the linking of strength that Georgia Tech has to the world of global health. I think there's a great opportunity there. I would love to help STEM schools in Georgia Tech in particular think that through. Uh, and finally, I mean, I think I would just like to see myself being in a, in a role where I can Either advise governments like the like you know like the U.S. Or, or other countries or international institutions like the World Health Organization, Bank, into thinking how to ensure resilience during crises. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, my, my big my big topic is on trying to ensure that everyone has access to healthcare and that healthcare is resilient to crises. So that's a twofold thing, and I, I think in some ways I will never be out of a job. I, I do hope one day I do work myself a job. I think in the next five years, I'll probably still be working on these same issues. And
0: yeah. I suspect you're right. And this will sound like a very kind thing to say, but it's actually very selfish, is that I hope you achieve all the things you just said. I hope you get everything you want, because if that's true, then I will have a safer world in which I'm living. My uh, uh, alma mater will be more successful and better off. And so, um, you know, for my sake, I hope you get everything you want. Um, And in the meantime, it was very nice to speak with you. And Arush, I hope we speak again in about five years, if you're willing to do so.
1: Very much, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, I had lots of fun doing this.
0: Thanks.